Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcast. I hope everybody is staying safe out there. And I'm very excited to introduce my next guest. She has done stints with the LA Chargers, the LA Clippers, and is currently working as a ticket sales and service manager for the San Diego Lawyer Soccer Club. Please welcome Stephanie Polonia. How are you doing tonight? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, awesome. Good. Uh, glad to have you on. And uh, you've done a lot uh, in the sports industry. Talk about your path into the sports industry and when did you decide this was something you really wanted to do? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, I guess it just all starts with my um, personal background. Um, I grew up in baseball. My <laughs> uncle was a professional baseball player. Um, his name is Luis Polonia, um, and he played for the Yankees, the Angels, the A's, the Braves, and a few other teams. So kind of just grew up literally in diapers um, around <laughs> professional sports. So that was all I kind of really knew. And, you know, because of um, his background in baseball, I, you know, started to play softball at a very young age. I started when I was five, played all the way up to um, my senior year in college. I played Division One softball um, for San Diego State. So was uh, able to play 17 long years of, of <laughs> softball. So, you know, when you play Division One sports, you don't have time for a job. And so when, you know, I was kind of getting to my junior, senior year of college, everyone was kind of pressuring me like, well, what are you going to do after graduation? What are you going to do after graduation? <laughs> I'm like, I have no clue. I don't even know where to begin because, you look at my resume and it's just softball, softball, softball. So um, I was really, you know, I was really stuck. I, I didn't know what to do. All I knew was sports. And, you know, I, I kind of started, some of my friends were interning with professional teams. Um, my, one of my best friends was an intern for Cal Ripken. And I, you know, thought that was really cool. And so I thought, you know what, why don't I try professional sports and, and try to get in, get in that way. And I really didn't know anybody in the industry to kind of help me in the right direction. It was kind of just research on my own. And so um, my senior year, I started to look up internships on teamworkonline.com. And, you know, I started with a few interviews. I had an interview with the LA Kings, um, interviews for other teams. And, you know, it's trial and error, you get shot down and, <laughs> It's kind of a bummer, especially when you're trying to start your career and you don't even know where the heck to begin. But um, I started my first internship with the L.A. Sparks. And it's a really funny story. My my boss there, him and I are very good friends to this day. And he always jokes around and tells me, yeah, I only really hired you because I knew who your uncle was. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, now you're stuck with me. Um, but I started as an intern there in the game op ops department and I thought it was so much fun. So at that time, you know, that being my first taste, that was kind of what I, what I wanted to do originally. Um, but come to find out that, you know, getting into that department is very hard. Um, a lot of folks that are in the game ops department don't leave and they're there for years and years and years. And it's very hard to come across. So I didn't have too much luck moving in that direction. So, you know, I was very young and I wanted to keep my options open. I didn't want to limit myself um, with the opportunities. So I was applying for any type of internship or part-time position that I felt, you know, I, I would succeed in. So from I did that for a season with the Sparks, um, got brought on by the LA Clippers uh, for a group sales internship. Um, and then I was also doing the Dodgers as well, part-time um, as a Blue Crew member, which is part of their marketing department. But, you know, towards the end of the Clippers, um, the account executives were kind of like, hey, like, what do you want to do? You know, and I was like, <laughs> I have no idea. I'm kind of just hopping around here. I really don't know. And they were like, well, you know, you have a really good personality. You're great with our clients, um, you know. 
you you know how to hold a conversation and just be you know yeah just chatty with them and you know help them with their experience like why don't you try sales and I was like I've never sold anything in my life I don't know if I'll even be successful in that and they're like trust me like if we didn't think you would be we wouldn't be telling you to do it we'll help you we'll we'll make sure you are successful but you have to really work hard at it if you're going to do it and I just said, okay, why not? I have, you know, all these people supporting me and, you know, giving me recommendations. So went through the interview process with them. So um, ended up getting hired. So I had to cut my time with the Dodgers short and um, started my my sales career with the Clippers. And um, I'll say their inside sales program, I absolutely loved it. I always recommend it to people that want to get their foot in the door in sports and who are local in LA. So um started off there and it was very, very intimidating at first. I kind of thought, what did I get myself into? I don't know if this is something that I'll be successful in, um, you know, and then you start seeing your the first person in your class selling and you're like, oh, shoot, I better start selling too or else this isn't going to be a good fit. I'm going to get fired. So I was going through that panic. And finally, you know, the sales started coming for me. I started getting more comfortable in my pitch and my approach and, you know, making calls to strangers and having those conversations that I ended up leading my class um, in revenue. So um, I was able to, (laughs) yeah, I was able to get a really good recommendation from our VP, Carl Lahr, who um, was the second longest tenured VP in the NBA at the time. And so to have his support and have him see, um, you know, the success in me and he wanted to, you know, help me move on. He wrote me a recommendation to the Chargers when they were here in San Diego. Um, and they brought me on as an account executive. So I was very, very thankful for my opportunity with the Clippers and will forever be thankful for that organization and the people that I met. So um, went on with the Chargers as an AE there was only two of us, so it just was us two kind of powering through, and it, we were there for their last year here in San Diego. So it was challenging, not knowing what was going to go on, and so <laughs> I uh, I did make the move with them to LA. Um, so I continued on with them at the StubHub Center um, for their first season there, and um, because I was the only sales rep that moved, I, I did have to go back a little bit in my career and they switched me over to guest services because there just was no way I could, you know, turn over all of the deposits and, you know, take care of the season ticket members alone. So um, I was guest services for a while with, you know, and that wasn't my, you know, cup of tea. I, I'm a salesperson. <laughs> I like selling. So um, once legends started hiring for the new LA stadium, I, you know, talked to my VP and I was like, Hey, you know, you know, I want to get back into sales and I don't want to step on your toes. So I want to ask for your blessing and your permission and your thoughts of, you know, moving over to that side so I can still sell for our team in a different way. And people will still have a familiar face to, to, to go to. He said, absolutely. So I ended up moving over to legends as a sales coordinator and, um, you know, helped with the seat license uh, contracts, running payments and, and doing a little bit of sales as well. And from there, gosh, I feel like I've done so much. I'm yeah, like I'm yeah. Talking, I feel like and, I've been talking for an hour already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I want to jump on that. Um, so you have jumped around in different sports and their sales department. So right. what is something that you've been able to carry over? you know, through those different uh, sports, you know, and carried your success throughout uh, different teams and different sports? Um, <clears throat> I think just, you know, just going into it, realizing that no matter what the product is that you're selling, whether it's, at, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, lacrosse, anything that your approach is still the same. Um, you know, nothing, nothing changes. And I think people kind of get caught up in that. And, you know, I'm not a fan of this sport, I don't know anything about it. And so there's no way I could sell it. That's not necessarily the case. You're, you're trying to um, provide your client with the best experience possible and the best, um, the, the best customer service. 
and you're trying to provide them with the best options as well. And that has nothing to do with the product on the field with what you're selling. And also, you know, you do have to believe in what you're selling, um, you know, and I know that kind of a little bit contradicts what I just said, <laughs> but, um, you know, you, you kind of just have to like believe in, in like, Hey, like I'm, I'm trying to sell you season tickets. This is the best way to save money and provide a wonderful experience for your clients or for your people or whoever you're going with. And, you know, you'll have a dedicated service rep. Like you have to believe in what you're saying. Um, Cause if you don't believe in that, if you don't believe that, you know, the, the tickets and, you know, the discounts that you get and all of that is beneficial, they can hear that over the phone. And so I've always just said, like, as long as you carry like an energy over the phone, um, it doesn't matter what what teams for anything that you're selling. It's all about like your character and your approach and um, just really connecting with people and going above and beyond to provide them with that best customer service. A lot of salespeople kind of, you know, will will sell people and be done with them and you'll never <laughs> from them again. And that's not what you want to do. You want to always give them the best experience. And so I think that's just something I've always carried on with every team. Um, you know, after Legends, I went on to to sell lacrosse. And I know absolutely nothing about that sport. <laughs> I don't. Like, I know nothing about it. I never watched it. Um, <laughs> but the, your, the experience on game day was awesome. And that's what you're selling. You're selling the experience. You're not selling the sport. And so I think that's something that I've always gone in and um, and applied to my day to day to make sure that I was successful. Um, and always, I always make sure I tell people that. So, um, so yeah, that's awesome. And I love that. And your role as manager, are you hiring new reps? Uh, you know for you know for the season and, and things like that do you do any hiring in your current role right now i do yes so i am always actively um searching for new candidates and new people to, to bring on i've you know i'm i try to have a few conversations a week with with um potential candidates to see you know what good talent is out is out there and especially right now with a lot of people who've gotten furloughed or let go mm -hmm. Um, in the sports industry, I make myself available to those people to have those conversations and see if they'd be a good fit for us because, you know, we want to make sure we always have a solid team. We, we have a small department, um, a small, I have a small uh, staff, which I'm 100% okay with. I, I love my staff. They do a really amazing job. But if there's somebody out there that we can add on to the team that can, that can bring more and, and add on, um, you know, the positivity and, and the hustle and all that, we're not going to pass that up by any means. So, um, and so, yeah, I'm always having those conversations with people. Like I get resumes sent to me on LinkedIn via email and on a daily basis. And, you know, I just make sure I make time to have those conversations with people and kind of keep a list of, you know, who my top favorites are and who I would want to bring onto my staff when the time comes. And I have to say when you're hiring or interviewing somebody and they say they are a fan of the sport, do you cringe at that? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I do, you know, um, because you, that you don't, you want to make sure you're hiring the person that, you know, is interested in the position is interested for the right reasons. You don't want, you know, someone coming on board because they're a, they're a fan girl and all they want to <laughs> do is have access to the team. And I think when I was, you know, working for the Clippers, I would see a lot of that, you know, in, in the interns and, you know, even in our, our sales department too, sometimes, you know, you'd always have that one person that just would kind of just be freaking out. And it's like, listen, man, like, that's not what we're here for. Like, you got to learn how to just block that out. And, you know, the players on the field or on the court or wherever, you know, those are, those are our coworkers. Those are, well, those are technically our bosses, you know, and <laughs> we can't be acting like that. So I do cringe a little bit. Um, but I do try to, you know, learn a little bit more about them and 
you know, try to find the real reason why they're interested in sales because no one wakes up and says, I want to be a sales rep today. Like no one does that. <laughs> um, like I was, I was scared to do it. I did not want to do it, but because my, my, um, you know, my colleagues encouraged me and, and they felt I would be very successful. I thought, why not give it a try if they, they're familiar with how this job works and they know the type of person it takes to be successful. Like, why not give it a shot? Um, so I'm just always curious when people are like, yeah, I want to be an account executive or I want to sell. And so, um, so yeah, I do cringe a little, but I try to just ask a little bit more, um, about, you know, their reasoning and, and try to see if they really are in it for the right reasons. Yeah. And I love that. And you touched on it a bit, uh, earlier where you mentioned you're selling the experience. Yeah. What do you ask, you know, in an interview, uh, when you're, you know, vetting a candidate, um, what do you ask in an interview to see, you know, or to get to that, you know, that, or to get someone to say, yeah, that's what they want to do. They want to sell the um, experience. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I typically just ask them like to you, like, what is, what is your number one goal as a sales rep? Like if I bring you on, and, you know, you start making calls, like, what is your goal? And, mm. you know, some some people will will just say, you know, obviously to meet my numbers and things like <laughs> that. But I do get I, I I'm honestly surprised at the amount of people that do say that I want to provide them with a good experience. Like I'm selling the experience just like I'm selling like I had this one guy, I don't remember who it was, but he was like, you know, just like I'm selling myself to you right now, like I want to sell the experience to the client and show them what it's not just a ticket. And I was like, wow, that was a really good answer. I was very impressed, <laughs> you know. And so I just asked them like what their main goal is as a sales rep, um, because that it's kind of a tricky question because people will be like, well, you know, to hit my goals and give them <laughs> my all. And, you know, yeah, of course, like that, that should be as well. But you know, I want to hear what your goal is when you're talking to that person. Um, and a lot of the people that I talk to don't have sales experience. Um, so I'm always just very interested. And, you know, it always impresses me even more when they come with that answer of, you know, selling is about selling and experience. So, you know, that that's my number one question that I always ask them. Um, and just, you know, what what knowledge they have about being a sales rep, too. Um, cause I think that's really important. I think a lot of people, you know, they go into it thinking it's going to be an easy job <laughs> or it's not going to be that bad. Um, and it is like, sometimes the job can suck, you know, when you go two weeks without selling, but everyone around you is closing deals left and right. And you're getting hung up on and, you know, you kind of get in your head a little bit of man, like, is this even a good fit for me? But you know, it's all about picking yourself up from that point and, and being successful and, and turning those ne that negativity into a positive for your future calls. So I, I don't think people see that side of it. I think people see the I get free free games and I get these cool experiences and I get to be part of a really awesome organization. And, you know, it's, it's more than that. Like sales can really, really be draining and can really, really put like a damper on your day sometimes. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, so I, those are my two like main questions that I ask right off the bat. And that kind of just determines how the rest of the interview will go. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And you have to be resilient in sales. Yep. And talk about your resiliency, you know, with having to bounce back um, from those hard days. How have you been able to keep that resiliency throughout your sales career in sports? Yeah, um, I always say this, and I think a lot of sales reps, you know, say this um, and managers, but it's all about being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Um, you know, I know I've I've come across it so many times where, you know, you have somebody that that says, yeah, I'm interested, follow up with me on Friday, and you call them and they don't answer, and then you call them on Monday and they don't answer, and then it's like, shoot, like, I don't want to keep calling them. I don't want to keep bugging people. You can't have that in your head because unless you've gotten a solid no or an I'm not interested or take me off your list, 
Like you don't get a no until you get a no. And so I think that's something that it took me a little, like a while to, to start to learn that and to be okay with that. And so, you know, just following up with people and, and making sure that, you know, I don't just stop because I'm scared to, to follow up with them because they're going to get mad at me. Like, this is my job. My job is to follow up with them. My job is to continue calling until I hear a no. So I always just have to remind myself about that. And, you know, if, if I hear, you know what, now's not the time or I'm not interested or whatever. Okay, awesome. Great. Well, you know, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, would you happen to know anybody who would be interested in having this conversation with me? And so just just continuing, um, you know, asking the questions that work for me and always making sure I ask for referrals. And, you know, like I said, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, it's not it's not um, an easy thing to ask people for their money. Um, and, you know, it's like, hi, like what kind of credit card did that? Would you like that? Um, you know, it's not easy. So, you know, I think it's just, that is just my number one thing of being resilient is you just have to be comfortable doing it. And, um, it takes a lot of practice and you really have to like hype yourself up. And all it takes is having one good conversation to motivate yourself throughout the day. Um, and then when you have those bad conversations, and if it's an all day thing, then it's like, okay, what am I going to do tomorrow to turn that around and turn and forget about today? Today's, today's washed. We're done. Now we got to move on to the next day and have a new set of call leads to call and, you know, make those positive. So I think that's just really important. And like I said, it's never going to be comfortable asking people for money, especially right now. Like <laughs> we're, we're on sale for the 2021 season for deposits and, you know, it's my, my reps at first are very intimidated to, to ask people for $50. And I'm like, listen, you're going to get hung up on, they're going to tell you no, but you know, we have a job to do and this is our focus. We're not asking it for the season. We're asking it for next year. And you have to just cushion it and make people understand that this is not a, like for this season, it's for next year. And, you know, show them the the benefits and the positiveness and things like that. And, you know, I, I know it's uncomfortable, but we got a job to do. So, um, so it took them a, lo- a little bit to kind of uh, to get comfortable with it, but they're selling every day now and they're killing it. So now I think we're past that. <laughs> That's awesome. And how many, uh, t- how many reps do you, do you have under you? I have five. I have four account executives and one inside sales rep. Oh, awesome. And just mm-hmm. as far as, um, numbers and quota, how does that work? And obviously, uh, with the current situation, I'm sure that's, uh, you know, affected, but like, as far as, you know, the team is, and the sales department, what does mm-hmm. quota look like for you guys? Yeah, so we're taking $50 deposits for the 2021 season. Um, it can be applied to any of our season ticket packages or group packages. And so we rolled them out. I want to say it was the last week of June. We rolled that out and started and started contacting. um, So, yeah, for about a month now, we've been on sale for that and started contacting our leads. And, you know, anybody that we had a really good conversation with during the pandemic um, when we didn't know what the heck was going on with anyone's season or, you know, while we're all working from home. Um, originally the expectation for five weeks, um, each rep was supposed to sell two deposits every day. So 10 deposits a week. So they were supposed to get 50 deposits total. And it was, a uh, it was a very, um, we wanted to start off with a higher goal and work our way down if we needed to, um, because we didn't know really how it was going to go. You know, mm-hmm. no one, no one knows how this was all going to look. So, um, they were very, very intimidated by it. Um, and I had, I sell as well as a manager and I had the same exact goal. So, um, you know, they were very intimidated by it and it was hard. We, we didn't, we weren't hitting that. Um, we were only getting, you know, a couple deposits a week. And so think, um, was it this week on Monday, 
we realize, all right, we have this week and next week left of July. What are we going to do for our deposits? <laughs> um, so we changed it up a little bit and we made it just a total of 10 deposits for the month of July, um, which would include all the ones that they've already sold. So um, that's, that's the expectation. Um, I think it would be 80 deposits total uh, for the month of July um, between my reps, our one premium sales manager, myself, and my boss, our VP. It's, you know, all hands on deck type of a situation. So, um, but in the middle of it, you know, when we did have that expectation of 10 deposits a week per rep, and we realized, you know, this we're not getting this. We're getting people that are saying, I'm interested, but, you know, I can't put money down, especially businesses. Right now, their, their assets are frozen because of COVID <laughs> And we are too, we can't spend any money on anything that we want. So, you know, we were like, how do we turn that into a win? So the reps don't feel like, you know, they've had a bad day. So after talking with, um, you know, people from the, from um, the league office, you know, they kind of suggested, well, why don't you guys uh, do verbal commitments instead? You know, mm -hmm. like, Hey, like, you're in, you're 100% in for the 2021 season. I'll put you on my list. We will, we are doing a game or we are doing a package, whatever situation is, and we're locked in, right? Yes. Okay, great. So I kind of adjusted it in our CRM system to have that as a win category, a handshake deposit. And so the reps have handshake deposit goals as well. Um, and they've been getting a lot of those as well, where they kind of just turn the conversation from, you know, the person saying, you know, I'm not really, I, I'm not in a position to put money down right now. And then, you know, okay, I completely understand. We've been hearing that from, from multiple people just due to the situation and, you know, what they've been doing and what we've offered them is to, to have a verbal commitment so you can still get priority with us. So meaning let's do a handshake, no money down, nothing like that, but you are committing to something for the 2021 season. How does that sound? And, you know, we've been getting a lot of really good feedback from from people doing that. And, um, you know, it, it makes us look good that we're, you know, not <laughs> pushing for the money, but we are giving them still the opportunity to have that priority, um, you know, for us. And, um, you know, we set up a follow up date to collect the money. And that, that's what we've been doing right now. So right now it's a small quota um you know but they're they're getting pretty close to hitting it they like i said they've been they've been closing deposits every day for the last 2 weeks so they've been doing a really really great job that's awesome and that's a very quick pivot from going you know to accepting deposits and then taking the handshake agreement yeah uh that's that's kudos to the organization and and your team for for doing that um and how did that, you know, obviously you mentioned what was, you know, what do you think was the biggest determined or after doing that, you know, what did you learn most um, from being able to pivot that quickly? Um, you know, I think I just learned that, you know, with how the situation is right now that, you know, we, we got to be flexible and we got to mm -hmm. find just we got to get creative in these times, you know, no one is taught how to work during a pandemic, like, <laughs> you know, and there's, there's so many webinars out there with, you know, I think that's the one cool thing that, you know, the pandemic has, has, um, you know, done for us is it's brought the sports industry together and, you know, hosting these webinars and sharing best practices of what's working for you and what's not um, during this time. Like, I think if anything, it just taught me that, we just need to continue being creative and be completely fle as flexible as we can be, um, you know, because right now, like we, we can't push people for money if they're not willing to, you know, in a typical situation, in a normal situation, you know, we'd be still following up with the people that say no, you know, to try and get them to put that $50 down. But, you know, if someone says financially, they just can't do it because, they've lost their job or their hours were cut or whatever the situation is, we need to be respectful and mindful of that. So we need to come up with creative ways on how to help these people still get on board with us without, um, without um, having them put money down or, you know, just 
having them make that commitment when they don't even know if they can like buy lunch tomorrow. You know what I mean? So I think if anything, it just taught me, we just, we just got to keep continuing to be creative and, and also mark the, the little successes as wins. You know, I think before we started the handshake deposit, they were here. We all were hearing that. Yeah. Like I'm in, I just, I can't right now. And to us, that was still a loss. Like, that wasn't a successful call. That wasn't, mm. that wasn't a win for the day. Um, Cause how many times do people say, yeah, 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 I'm going to do it. And they never do. Right. So um, I think if anything, you know, it just, it, it, it taught us that we just got to celebrate the little things right now, the little successes, whether it's having a five minute conversation, whether it's the getting money down, which is great. That's a big win, but you know, a verbal commitment is better than no commitment. And so that just, you know, it taught us that we can work our way around it. And this is a different way to create a relationship with these people and to let them know that we care about their situation. We are mindful of it and we do still want them to be part of our experience. So we'll make it work for them. And so I think that's just that's just what it's what it's taught us at, at the end of the day. That's awesome. And I love that. Um, and being that you've had. Uh, experiences in a variety of teams and organizations. What have you seen, you know, culture-wise, you know, throughout the different organizations that you work for that have really helped you uh, to get to where you are today? And, you know, do you keep in contact with, you know, people that you used to work with at every organization uh, prior to getting to where you are now? Yeah. Um, Culture is super important. Um, especially in the sports industry, you never want to be working in, I mean, I, anywhere, but you never want to be working in a toxic environment. And I think that's very, very important. Um, you know, I'm not going to say which team it was, but, um, you know, I was in a very, very toxic, toxic environment that, Mm. you know, that was the reason why I left. And, um, I stay in touch with maybe one person there, Um, but other than that, for the most part, like it just wasn't something that I agreed with, that I vibed with, that I was okay with. So, um, you know, but you learn from that, if anything that teaches you how to grow from that, it teaches you, especially for myself, um, it teaches me how to be a better manager too. When I see, you know, in a toxic environment that things are being done, I know what not to do in, in my role, um, but for the other um, teams that I've worked for, um, you know, I'm, I'm always going to like praise the Clippers. I love them. <laughs> those are like, those are my buddies. And I'm actually really, really good friends with my inside sales manager. And I'm probably hounding her once a week with questions and picking her brain. Cause to me, she was the best manager that I had. And, um, you know, she, um, she was awesome. I, I loved her and I, I'm still in, contact with my inside sales, um, you know, reps that I worked, that I worked with, um, my peers, we're still, there's like a group of us that we have a group chat together where we talk all the time and they're all in different areas now, but, you know, we, we plan like a yearly trip to, to hang out together and, um, you know, it's awesome. And I'm still, I'm really good friends with my, um, with the uh, Sparks manager that I had, he, him and I actually like lived basically right next door to each other not that (laughs) long ago uh, when I was still in LA. And so, you know, culture, the culture is very important and, you know, you do see a lot of um, people stay in touch with each other and it's awesome because you get to utilize each other later on. Um, One of the guys that I worked with, he was on the Ram side of the new stadium project Mm. He's a manager now and him and I connected a couple weeks ago and picked each other's brains on, you know, hey, what are you doing with your staff that's working? And okay, well, what are you doing? And so just taking notes from each other. And so um, it, it, it's awesome to stay in touch with the people that you worked with. Um, and, um, you know, because you never know when you'll need them in the future. You never know when they'll, you know, become a VP somewhere and you need a recommendation from them. Um, or if they need a recommendation from, from you and, you know, you want to help them out. Um, so culture is, is number one for me. Um, you know, if it's not a good culture, it's not something I want to be a part of. And, um, you know, I like, 
I like going into work and being happy. And I think that's super important because um, you don't want to be around an environment where everyone's unhappy or no one's no one's friendly with each other. It's awkward, you know, and <laughs> the one thing I've I've taken from working in professional sports is it is such a family environment like you know, it's, it's almost, it always feels like you're back in college and like you're with your like frat bros and frat, frat girls and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's a fun environment to, to have like this, these new group of friends and you're kind of just with each other all the time and you end up, you end up becoming family. So, um, it's, it's a pretty cool experience and I've been very blessed in almost all of my, um, experiences to, to have had that. So, yeah. That's awesome. And obviously um, some organizations uh, lag behind, you know, unfortunately the situation in Washington, uh, yeah. you know, why, why do you think some organizations either lag behind or promote a culture that, that is toxic at times? What, what is something that needs to be done uh, in the future to promote that type of healthy culture for all organizations and all teams, you know, across the sports industry. I think it's just important for, you know, upper management to not consider your employees a number because they're not. Mm -hmm. um, the, the worst thing you can do is let everyone know how replaceable they are or, you know, um, are they are they paying for themselves? Um, that's probably the worst thing you can say because you don't feel valued at that point. Um, and when you don't feel val when your employees don't feel valued, they don't want to go to work and give it their all anymore. And then from that point on, it's just it's downhill. It's a down downward spiral. And you know there are organizations, there are teams and and management teams that do consider every one of their employees just a number. And they're very replaceable and, you know, okay, well, that person didn't hit their quota this week. So um, they're not paying for themselves. So why are they here? And it's like, come on, you know, you, you can't do that. You there, you got to give the motivation. You got to, you got to have a fun experience. You got to have a fun environment, whether it's taking your, it's as little as taking your employees out to lunch every now and then it's as little as, cutting out early to, to go do something fun together, um, you know, and, and telling them that they're doing a good job. Um, if you're not telling your employees um, what a good job they're doing and, and making it known that it doesn't go unnoticed, they're going to be sitting there thinking, am I doing okay? Like, I haven't heard anything. Like, am I going to be fired? And, <laughs> and that's a really bad environment to be in where you feel like you're walking on eggshells every day because, your management team doesn't believe in the words good job or you're doing great or keep it up. Um, so it's, it's constant, like uh, constant, like uh, affirmation for them that, that they need. And honestly, now in the industry, you have a lot of young people, you have a lot of millennials that, you know, we need that. We need that confirmation. <laughs> like, hi, am I doing a good job or are you going to fire me tomorrow? Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it sounds, it sounds stupid, but I mean, that, that's how it is, you know? And, um, if you're not doing that, it just, it doesn't create a good environment and you'll be constantly going through people left and right. And it'll be a constant cycle of not being able to find the right people because the right people want the right managers, the right people want to be in a good environment. Um, you're not going to get somebody who's, you know, top of their sales class and killing it and, you know, um, bringing in all the revenue in the world that would want to stay in an environment like that. People don't, people don't stay for their jobs. They stay because of their bosses. And that's the same reason why they leave. Um, you know, I, when I was with legends, I, I did not want to leave that, that job, but I needed to move on to, to, uh, move move forward in my career because my next step was to be a manager and that kind of that wasn't gonna gonna happen there um you know just due to the there wasn't the availability and that's mm -hmm. how it is sometimes and that's okay um but I was absolutely devastated to leave that that group I loved it there 
um, you know, and so people leave because of their managers. They don't, they don't leave just, just to leave. They leave because of their managers. And so um, I think it's just, it's very important for people to not consider their, their employees as, as just numbers. And I think that's just, yeah, that's, that's my two cents on that. Yeah. And, and, and being a young professional and a female in the industry, mm-hmm. how can the sports industry evolve and, you know, change how, the culture is, you know, with that uh, particularly, you know, changing that way as well. Yeah, um, you definitely don't see a lot of female managers in this industry, let alone, um, you know, just female staff, right? Um, hmm. It's extremely, extremely rare to to see that. And um, I think, I don't know if it's, you know, that people just don't want to bring on women or they it's, I don't know what, what the situation is, or if women feel intimidated because they feel they're probably not going to be as successful as men. Um, and that's, you know, that's probably a real life thought, um, for, for a lot of women out there that want to, want to be VPs or directors one day, but you know, you don't, you don't see a lot of that and it's intimidating. So I think it's just, you know, it's, it's taking the, the women that are very interested in this industry and or in the job or whatever whatever career it is and giving them a chance and, and grooming them and teaching them how to, um, you know, how to be successful in the job and not being sexist and, you know, treating everybody the same, like, you know, not, not favoriting the guys because they're guys, you know, <laughs> everyone gets a fair chance, um, you know, and it's funny. I, when you do have women in the, um, you know, sales department, they end up being more successful because we're nicer. (laughs) 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 You know, like, like clients, like, you know, the, my inside sales guys that I worked with would always make fun of me because I, I put on my, you know, hi, this is Stephanie voice. they'd (laughs) They'd be like, Oh my God. Of course, you're you're killing it in sales. I would buy from a girl that sounds really nice over the phone and <laughs> sounds cute over the phone. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe start start selling with a high pitched voice, man. I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. And um, you know, they would always tease me about that. But I think it's just it's it's all about equality, and you you do see it a lot of the times where you'll see the men kind of getting little bit more favoritism or getting the hotter leads and things like that. And it shouldn't be like that. It, everybody should be treated equally. Um, because I have seen women be very, very successful in sales. And, um, but I think when they want to move up to that next role, um, which is a management role, it's very intimidating. So I think in, you know, in the sports industry to be better in that for us to be better in that, we need to, um, we need to make it kind of like an open door environment and, you know, allow women who want to move on up um, in that, in that role and in that lead to ask questions, to pick people's brains and, you know, let them know like, Hey, you're doing a really great job. Have you ever considered becoming a manager? You know, we don't really hear that. You know, you, you hear that from the guys, Um, the guys get that a lot, but, but we don't, I've never had anybody really come up to me and say, you know, you should really be a manager one day. Um, <laughs> I just took took the reins and was like, you know, I want to be a manager one day and I'm going to make that happen. And so um, I think it's just, yeah, it's just not not letting it be such an intimidating thing for women. Um, I think that's just what it is. Um, I don't really know if that answered your question. I feel like I just went on a tangent. No, no, I love that. <laughs> and, and I love the... Um... I love that that example. That's great. I mean, you're you're kicking butt and you're doing great things um, in the sports industry. And and talk to me about how you were able to just take the bull by the horns and say, okay, I want to be a manager um, in sales. I'm going to push forward. Not any, mm-hmm. you know, not let the barrier, uh, no barriers get in my way. Like, where does that where does that confidence come from? Um. I think because I don't know, like I just, once I started to see that I was good at this, you know, I was like, I, I want to continue this. I want to continue to be successful in sales. Mm -hmm. Like, 
you know, I think sales is really fun despite the days where it's really bad. I, I do think <laughs> it's really fun. You know, it's fun to, to connect with your fans and create such an awesome experience for them and give them the best top-notch service that you can. And um, so when I realized like I was really good at this, I was like, okay, what is my next step going to be? Um, you know, I want to sell and I, and I would have a lot of people coming to me for advice. Um, one of my good friends, when I was in inside sales, he was an intern for the Clippers mm. and I, um, you know, he asked me, he's like, Hey, like, how do I, how do I get in? Like, can you help me? And so I started to see a lot of people coming to me for guidance and asking me for help. Um, and you know, I thought that was kind of cool and I would give them advice and I'd help them out. And, you know, I just was like, huh, I think I kind of want to be a manager and, you know, and help people and help people be successful and teach them what's worked for me. And I think that would be really cool. Um, and so, you know, kind of just, I had a lot of, lot of things kind of, you know, set me back, which was, you know, the, the transition from San Diego to LA, um, you know, I went from being sales to guest services, which put my sales career on pause for a while. And then um, moving to legends, I wasn't a full sales rep. I was the coordinator, which I was fine with. It was, it was, it was a really fun job, but I did want to get back into fully selling. And uh -huh. so I, as much as, you know, it was an amazing experience to sell that new stadium. I knew I was sort of getting impatient and I knew I was like, <laughs> okay, I can't keep putting my sales career on hold anymore. Like I need to, I need to make those steps. And so, um, you know, from there, I kind of, I, I went to sell for the lacrosse team out here in San Diego. And, you know, that was a huge, huge career change, like <laughs> totally different for me. And, but I knew I was like, if I'm successful here, if I can get promoted here, I can move on and continue on with my career and, 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 you know, continue moving up in the ladder. And, that, and that's basically what I did. I, you know, started um, as a senior AE there, got promoted to ticket sales manager, and then got the opportunity to, to lead the team here with the San Diego loyal, the soccer club. And, um, you know, I just, I was very persistent about it. Every manager that I would have, I would let them know up front, like, Hey, I love sales. I think this is great. I want to become a manager one day and I need the guidance and the help to get there. I need your help to get me there. What do I need to do? What do I need to be doing? What, you know, what are the day to days of a manager that I need to know now? And so I was, I was a pester. Like I pest, <laughs> like I bugged. And so that's what honestly got me to where I am now. I wasn't afraid to ask for help because I was determined. I wanted to be successful. And I think being a woman of color in this industry trying to move on up like that, that like empowered me even more and motivated me even more to want to make it happen. And when it happened, I was so happy and, and proud of myself that, you know, at 27 years old with no managerial experience, I'm a ticket sales manager for a USL <laughs> team. And I think that's super cool. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm proud of myself. Um, it wasn't easy. I had to jump through a lot, a lot of hoops, but I think just, I just was determined and I knew I can do it. And I think that came from picking a lot of people's brains and, and asking people for advice. That's awesome. And, and asking questions is huge. Mm -hmm. I love that because a lot of times people come in and they might not ask a lot of questions. What do you think the, you know, why some people might not ask questions or, or kind of, you know, hesitant to ask those questions at times. Yeah. I mean, I think they're just, you know, it, it could be a new, a number of things. They could be just intimidated to do it. Um, or a lot of people think that, um, that uh, they expect to get the job, right. They expect to, to get that promotion. So they shouldn't, they don't need to ask questions. You know what I mean? But, you know, if you're not asking those questions, if you're not, showing that you want this no one's going to know your managers aren't mind readers they don't know that you want that promotion you could be the best seller ever but if you've never expressed that you want to move up as a manager or move up to the next role 
they're not going to know that and just assume and just promote you right away. You have to show that you care. Um, and so I don't know if it's just that, if people just expect it and so they don't want to ask questions or if they're just intimidated to to maybe find out that it's not something that they want to do. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they'll, they'll hear from people like, oh, like, I don't know if you would be a good fit. Like, maybe they're just scared of doing that. I'm not too sure. But, you know, people shouldn't be scared to, to ask how to move up in your career, because that's what the people around you are for. That's what your manager there is for to, to help you grow. You can't be an account executive or an inside sales rep forever, you know, so it's, it's super important to always be networking and connecting with people and asking them, Hey, how do I move on to this next step? Like, what are the, what are the day to days of it? And it's also important to ask because you may think it's, you know, it's one thing and then you find out what the actual duties are. And then you're like, Ooh, like, I don't think that's a good fit for me after all. Um, so I don't know. I think it's just intimidation of, of just really finding out if it's a good fit for you. <laughs> that That's awesome. And I have to ask too, being, being an athlete, uh, how mm-hmm. did that help, you know, your career as, you know, within sports and what did you learn as an athlete that has carried over into your professional life, you know, within the sports industry? Yeah. So when you're an athlete, you, you know, you're a part of a team, you're, you have to, you have to work together and support each other. Of course, your teammate is your competition. Um, (laughs) Right. Like, you know, some of my teammates were my competition for, for my position in, in center field. But, you know, when they were doing a good job, I was proud of them. And I let them know it's, you can't be petty and, and not be a team player. And, and that's what it comes down to. If, you're not willing to be a team player. You can't work in this type of an environment. And, you know, being a division one athlete, you, you have to work your ass off. You have to be at practice. You have to, you know, um, you know, get, get beat, uh, whatever sport you play. But for me, like, you know, throwing the ball around, like when you're not practicing or, you know, asking your teammate, like, Hey, can you do front toss with me um, after practice and work with me on this or throw some ground balls at like, putting in that effort to get better every single day and what you're doing in your off time to get better. And just that, that resilience to always be improving. And like I said, again, being a team player is super important. And so that's what carried on to me being successful in my career. Um, Prior to me applying to, to be in um, professional sports, I had no idea that like teams love hiring former athletes. Um, like that is their go-to when they see you're a former athlete. It's like, you know, yes, they, they get really excited about it Just because you have that, you know what it's like to be on a team and you know what it's like to work hard and you know what it's like to fail and pick yourself up and, and turn that into success. So um, yeah, being, being an athlete definitely, definitely helped me in the long run to kind of keep my head up and, keep moving forward and, and to push myself into, again, like my friend, my, the people that I worked with, like that's my competition, but I'm going to high five them and tell them great job when they close the biggest sale of their career. You know, it's, it's learning that it's not being jealous of them and wishing that they'll fail. It's supporting them, supporting each other, learning off of each other, but also wanting to beat them out too. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's always friendly competition, um, but I, but that's definitely what I've taken from being a former athlete and applied to my career and how it made me successful. I love that. Uh, t- being a team player is huge, especially in sales, uh, because you are striving for that, your individual goal. But if you guys, you know, if the team's not doing well, then, you know, you guys want to pick each other up as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love that. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously there's, there's no fans uh, right now. Um, but what are you most excited for, uh, for the 2021 season? Man, to have fans. <laughs> um, I'm excited. I mean, you know, obviously that that's every team, but for us specifically, you know, prior to COVID postponing our games, we only got two home games in our preseason and our home opener. And um, we sold out the home opener, 6,100 people. And 
we had a lot of people really excited about our team that were here, that soccer's here. So, um, you know, for me, I'm excited to see how much we can fill that stadium up. I'm excited to sell it out. Um, that's my goal for the 2021 season, regardless if, you know, we still have to social distance and kind of cut some seats off, whatever the situation is. <laughs> I'm excited to see that stadium full because we were going off on such a high um, for our first year here. And obviously, you know, all of this happened and it, you know, put a damper on it. So I'm excited to see it continue um, and to see our team grow. You know, we recently released um, a new stadium proposal that fingers crossed um, passes in a few weeks. That's and awesome. if it does, yeah, if it does, that stadium is going to be ready in 2022 and we're going to be playing in it. And so getting people excited for that, like, there's so much stuff that, you know, I'm just, I'm really excited for, for the team. And, and, you know, I think just getting the fans um, involved again and, you know, I, I want to see the team win and be successful and have, have San Diego have a winning team for once. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, geez, we really need it. Um, so I, I'm excited. We were led by great, great leadership. Um, you know, Landon Donovan is an awesome coach awesome former player and I think with with his skills he's gonna you know he's gonna make this a successful winning team and we're gonna get that stadium proposal and and sell it out and um and yeah I'm just I'm I'm just really excited for everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's awesome I love that I think it's it's important to uh to have that excitement uh, especially now um is the team uh as far as 2020 uh, what mm -hmm. types of uh, things is the team doing uh, virtually or, you know, what's the organization doing to for fans um, and aspects to virtual gatherings or events or things like that? Yeah, so we're still trying to add on a few more things. Um, but prior we were, you know, hosting um, happy hours because our partner is Stone Brewery. So we were hosting like really fun happy hours with Stone, with Landon, with our players and having our season ticket members and fans chime in and listen in and be able to ask questions, which was really cool. Um, but moving forward, we want to still continue that. And we're trying to figure out the, you know, best times to do it, you know, to host maybe a virtual watch party, um, huh. you know, or something like that with our friend. I, I'm not too sure what we would do, but. Um, you know, we, we want to keep the fans engaged and um, we do a lot of, um, you know, enter to wins and things like that and have them have an opportunity um, to to win some cool stuff. We released our new kits um, for for our first match back, which was awesome. I'm not sure if you saw it, but it was a really cool black jersey with like teal accent and it, it was a Black Lives <laughs> Matter jersey. So the back had Black Lives Matter and our players, um, our players wore that for the first game. And it, the second we went on sale for that, they all completely sold out. So seeing that, seeing that excitement is really cool. So we're keeping our fans engaged with a lot of stuff like that. Um, we, we do need to, to step it up a little bit with the virtual, um, with the virtual aspect of it. We were doing a lot of it one, when obviously we had no games and nothing going on, but now that you know we're back up and running and the team's practicing and we have games every weekend it's been a little chaotic we're, we're <laughs> like we're like wait a minute how do we how do we work game days again so we're kind of all scrambling now we're like shoot we forgot how to do this um you know so we didn't realize like oh wow this, this creeped up on us so we we do need to do a little bit more stuff but prior to that we we were making sure our fans were very engaged and like I said, hosting happy hours every Friday that they can be included in was pretty cool. That's awesome. And and talk about um, you know, let's close things out. Um, the the culture aspect and how much of an impact not only the organization. Uh, you mentioned uh, the Black Lives Matter with the jersey. How do you see that within, you know, the front office and the future, how they're able to promote that and you know, what other, what other organizations can do to promote, you know, diversity and things like that? Yeah, so I was very, very impressed with, you know, how, how our team and leadership really, really stepped up 
and made it a point to to voice our opinion as an organization on where we stand. Um, you know, our our founder Andrew was, you know, I'm friends with him on Facebook, and he was making his statements on there, saying that without a question, like this is where we stand as a team, like. Black Lives Matter. This is important. This is what we're doing. This is who we support. And, you know, there's no question about it. And, you know, we went on to do these jerseys and it was awesome. And so, you know, all of this was going on during, you know, working from home and a lot of people were experiencing anxiety and depression, just not being in the office. And, you know, we made sure to really highlight and emphasize, like, we are here for you. And, you know, we have, I made sure to touch on, on my experiences to my staff of, listen, I've had to deal with racism when I grew up and, you know, being made fun of because of the color of my skin or the way my hair is. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's shameful. It's awful. And, you know, if you're experiencing, you know, anxiety because of the riots that are going on and things that are going on out there and how the world is like, we encourage them to voice that to us so we can help them. And, you know, we had a few reach, um, reach out and we, we got them, you know, kind of some, some one-on-one counseling with, with um, someone that works with us. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think just supporting your people and letting them know that we're here for you. And especially if you have a diverse front office in which we do. So, you know, making sure that we were there for each other was very important. We were all checking in on one another. And, um, you know, our our ownership and, and leadership was, you know, they were out there doing, you know, making their statements on where they stood with it. Landon was, Andrew was, um, you know, and I think that's very, very important for an organization to really stand up and, and, and um, you know, let people know, like, who we are and, and what we're all about. And I thought that was really cool. And, you know, a lot of our players, you know, obviously come from different backgrounds and were ex- expressing their, um, their appreciation for being on such a supportive team and having such supportive leadership. And so, um, you know, I, I think this was probably an uncomfortable subject for some people. And it took some teams a while to come out with statements. And a lot of people were like, Hmm, I wonder why. Um, So you you just can't be uncomfortable in these type of situations. You just got to not be scared to, to say where you stand and you got to be supportive of your team and, and your, your people that you have on, on, on uh, your front office. And, you know, when you do that, it says a lot about who you are as an organization. And I couldn't be more proud to be a part of this team. Um, I'm surrounded by such amazing people and, um, you know, making this move to, to be with this USL team was probably the best decision I've made. And um, yeah, I wouldn't look back. I think what we're doing is, is really incredible. And, I hope everyone else kind of sees that too. That's awesome. That's, that's fantastic. I love that. Always, you know, listening. Cause obviously with, with things um, coming up uh, a lot of people, um, you know, it's, it's definitely an unprecedented time, uh, not just the pandemic, but also um, race in this country as well. And what do you say to those organizations um, that, you know, are struggling we're trying to be more diverse. Um, God, I mean, that's, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ooh, that's a tough question. I mean, I think people are just, I don't, I mean, I, I can't, you know, speak for them, mm-hmm. but you know, if I were to kind of, you know, take a step back and kind of my view from the outside is, you know, I think people are, are scared to, to be different and scared to to kind of, you know, create that diversity. And they, sh- and they shouldn't be, you know, there's this like stigma of, you know, in the sports industry of kind of like an all white male um, predominant industry. And, you know, things have changed now. That's, that's not how the world is anymore. Um, and it's very important to listen and to acknowledge that. And, you know, I think a lot of people are always very hesitant to to jump into this industry because of that, you know, of being a person of color um, or having a different background or being a woman. 
um, you know, we shouldn't have to feel that way. Like it, it's 2020, like we are, <laughs> come on, like times have changed. Like we got to get with the times and it is all about listening to what's going on out there. And I also think it's very important to, to connect with other teams and kind of ask them like, Hey, how are you going about this? Like, you know, this is an area we need to improve on. Like there, people shouldn't be scared to ask that question. It, it makes you look bad to not be asking that question, um, to not be wanting to improve. I think that makes you look worse um, when you're not, you know, seeking help and, you know, wondering how to how to make yourselves better in that department. Um, you know, so I, I think like, I guess my opinion just is, you know, to, to not be afraid to, to look at what other teams are doing and listen and and act on it, you know, and and if you truly, truly, truly believe like, you know, you don't need a, to make a difference and, you know, you're not, you know, you're good, um, then maybe take a step back and look in the mirror because that's, you know, that's not where we should be. It's, times have changed uh-huh. and, you know, we should really, really be making a difference, especially, you know, the sports industry is so impactful to the world. Like if anyone's going to listen to an industry, it's going to be the sports industry, like, everyone's watching us on TV, everyone's going to games, you know, it's, you know, we, we can really make a difference out there and really kind of, um, you know, just, yeah, we can really just make a difference out there. (laughs) Exactly. Everybody can do their part, no matter how big or small, right? Exactly. Exactly. Super important. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you taking the time this evening. It was a pleasure. You are certainly doing amazing things in the sports industry. And I can't wait to just, you know, continue the conversation and, and see where, uh, where you take it. Thank you so much. This is the first podcast I've ever been on. So this is really fun. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely uh, send you the link uh, when it's available. But yes, Stephanie, I, I appreciate the conversation. Uh, you're doing amazing things in the sports industry and I'm sure, uh, you know, your team and is doing great things and I'm sure, you know, they're, they're doing great things for you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll stay in touch. Thank you so much. Yes, Stephanie, uh, you take care and stay safe. You as well. Bye. Bye.